Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul was probably one of the greatest heroes of the faith outside of Jesus. He wrote um, most of the New Testament. Uh, he's, he's famous for saying lines like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like plastered on every coffee mug. Um, he was also famous for just being a guy that you simply could not break down. Um, people would look at him and they would say, hey, listen, we're going to cut you down. We're going to beat you. And he said, hey, more power to me. I'll just go be with Jesus. Um, it, he was somebody that you could not break his spirits. You could not break his will. Um, there was even a point in his life where he's preaching in a particular city, and they tell him to stop. They beat him. They kill him. They drag him to the outside of the city, and God resurrects him. He gets back up, and he walks back into the city and starts preaching in the same city that they had just killed him in. So this is a guy who literally, when you read the scriptures, he's almost like this superhuman. He's almost like when you're reading it, you're like, God, does anything get this guy down? Is there anything that this guy struggles with? And what I want to talk about this morning is um, particularly in Romans chapter 7. Because in Romans chapter 7, what we see is Paul gives us an inside look at his humanity. He gives us an inside look of the depths of his heart. You see this man who has accomplished so much. You see this man who has literally modeled almost this perfect life outside of Jesus. And then you see this small glimpse into his life of a guy who is genuinely dealing and struggling with things that he just can't seem to shake. And he doesn't know why. And so this morning, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 7. And we're going to pick it up in verse 14. But before we do, just, just keep, your, keep your hands there for a moment. I want to set a few things up. How many of you guys have ever felt this pull between good and evil? Um, maybe you feel like this kind of like divided man in a sense. Like you know what's right. You know what you should be doing. But yet there is these temptations that are just looming. And you know that you shouldn't take part of them. You know that um, you should not indulge yourself in these things. And you feel divided. You know that you're supposed to please, and you know that you're supposed to honor God, but your flesh wants something else. A lot of times you see this fleshed out in your kids. Um, I'll give you for an example. Like, my kids all the time, we have this basket in our house, and it's full of candy. And uh, uh, my little girl, who's two years old, is, which most women are, she's obsessed with sugar. Okay, she just absolutely loves Sugar. Um, if you can't get her to do something, you're like, hey, baby, you want some candy? And she will do whatever you want her to do. And, and so oftentimes you'll find her quiet for a moment. You're like, what is she doing? And then you'll see like candy plastered all over her face or chocolate. And you're like, Amelia, did you eat some candy? And instantly you see the struggle in her heart. Um, um, no. <laughs> I see it all over your face, honey. I didn't eat any. And you see this kind of drive that like she wants to say yes, but she's pulled with, should I say yes? Because if I do, I might possibly get a spanking or I might possibly get in trouble. I know I should do the right thing, but I'd rather lie in hopes that maybe my dad will give me grace or maybe something will work out. You ever been pulled that way? Like you know the right thing to do. You know what you should be doing, but for some reason, it's like the depths of your heart take over, and you're like, what is coming out of me? Why am I acting this way? Why am I doing this? Have you ever found yourself in a season of life, and maybe you have a blow up, or an argument, or something goes down, and then you look back on it, and you're like, wait, hold on, time out. What just happened? 
What did I just do? Like, why did I say this? Why did I act this way? There's this divided man. There's this war between good and evil within inside of our hearts. Now, let me clar clarify something. If, if you go on the internet and you search different things or you read different things, you'll see um, many famous people draw these depictions of, like, Jesus versus the devil. Look, there's no fight between that, okay? There is no Jesus versus the devil. It's just a one punch and it's over, okay? Jesus has already won. What I'm talking about is in the depths of our heart, there is this pull between what is good and what is evil. Um, to help further set this up, and we're, we're going to jump in Romans in a second, but when I was younger, my brothers and I played this crazy game. Um, we would shoot each other with BB guns, um, like Civil War style, okay? Like you stand at one side of the fence, and we, the other would stand at the opposite side. We would take aim, and we would fire. And like, as soon as you get hit, it felt like a thousand wasps stinging you, and your adrenaline is like pumping, and, and inside, and as you get hit, what do you want to do? You want to return fire, right? Well, there was one problem with our BB guns, is my brothers and I had this horrible habit of actually leaving them outside. So they would get rained on, they would get weathered, they would get rusty, and so as soon as you would get hit with a BB, you'd cock your BB gun and you'd want to shoot and fire right back, and my gun would seem to constantly misfire, like I couldn't shoot because of the rust in the barrel or the weatheredness of it and so many things going on. And what we're going to see in Romans 7 is we see Paul's heart kind of misfiring. We see his heart in, in a place where he wants to do what is right. He wants to do good, but there's just something in his heart. There's this evil. There's this temptation. We don't necessarily know what it is. He should be returning fire. He should be attacking the enemy. And when he goes back to fire, it misfires. Maybe he gives in to temptation or he gives in to something that he knows is not going to profit him or benefit him. And that's really what I want to talk about um, this morning. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your heart just misfires? And you find yourself being pulled towards something and you don't really know why. Like you find yourself being drawn towards certain temptations and you, you beg and you plead and you cry out to Jesus and you're open with your sin and you're trying to do everything that you can and no matter what happens, it just seems like you're drawn back to that same thing over and over and over. How many of us, and I talked about this in, in our Ecclesiastes series, but how many of us often try to heal the deep insecure wounds in our heart on our own? Like, we, we try to just go to God, we try to pray, we try to seek Him without ever getting with anybody else, without ever trying to be fully known by other believers, without ever confessing anything. We try to kind of heal it on our own. But no matter what we do, we keep feeling like we're led back to the same sin over and over and over. If I'm being honest this morning, and this is where I want to be because I want to model for you guys as Christians what we should be. If I'm being honest, I've been a Christ follower my entire life. Okay, um, my dad always had this crazy story of conversion. You know, he was twenty-something years old. He met Jesus, and he, he threw away all. He, he calls it his devil bag. He put all the stuff in the bag and all the stuff that he shouldn't have in his life, and he threw it away. And he always had this crazy conversion story. I never had that. I just like I came out. I was like born in church, and I was like, like, like when did I get saved? I really don't know. There was not this crazy like thing or this event that happened. 
But I do know that there was a season in my life where my will and my wants started to change. But so I've been serving Jesus for a long time now. And there are times when I genuinely battle this monster that we call sin. And there's times that I don't come out victorious. There's times when I lose the battle. And to be honest with you, sometimes I can't even put my finger on it. Like, man, why did I allow my mind to go to this place? Or why did I give in to this certain particular temptation? And if we're not careful when that happens, when our heart misfires, and when we find ourselves being led to temptations or things, um, sometimes we can take pity on ourselves and go like, oh my gosh, am I really saved? Am I really serving Jesus? Am I really loving Jesus? And the truth is we don't really understand our hearts. So I want to pick it up reading to you in Romans 7, verse 14. And I've always found comfort in these words, and hopefully you will this morning as well. Romans 7, verse 14 through 17. This is Paul speaking. So he says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. Look at this. He says, The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So many times I can resonate with Paul when he says this, when he says, um, I don't really understand myself. Like, you ever find yourself in a place, women, come on, you should agree with me on this one. Like, I don't really understand myself, right? Like, you just say things, or you act out in particular emotions, or maybe you lash out on certain things, and you're like, hey, I, don't, I don't even know why I did that. I don't even know what's going on. Like, what's going on in my heart? The truth is, Jeremiah even tells us that none of us understand our heart. Jeremiah 17, through not, 17 verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked, who really knows how bad it is? You know, there's this old saying, just follow your heart, right? Like, let your heart be your compass. Let your heart be your guide. And the truth is, there is no greater damage that is done when we do that. Like, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Like, sometimes our desires and what we want is not of God because we genuinely don't understand our heart. Sometimes we genuinely don't understand why we're thinking and processing the things that we are. It's all the more the reason that we need Jesus. It's all more the reason that we need a Savior. It's all more the reason that we need to be, like we talked about in Ecclesiastes, that we need to be fully known by other people. Listen, we need friends not to just encourage us, but we need friends that are willing to confront us, and we allow them to do so. Like, listen, everybody likes being around people where they're just nice to you and they constantly encourage you. But listen, everybody needs a friend, a godly brother or a godly sister that can look at you and say, hey, listen, there's some things in the depths of your heart and in the depths of your soul, like, and it worries me. It scares me. Like, do we have people that can look at us and say, hey, listen, and the way that you're talking to your wife, the way that you're treating your kids, or the way that you respond to your co-workers doesn't exemplify Christ at all. Do we have people that can do that to us? Because the truth is, we, we all need it. Because there's times that we're going to lash out, there's times that we're going to do things, there's times that we're going to say things, there's times that we're going to fall into temptation, and we don't even know why. 
See, there's this divided man inside of all of us. There's this divided man, this pull towards evil, this pull towards temptation, this pull towards sin. And the truth is, it's because we're all human. The, the truth is, it's all because we were designed to need a Savior. We were designed to need Jesus. How many of you guys have an iPhone in here? Um, how many of you guys also hate autocorrect? <laughs> you ever, like, you try to type something, and you're like, hey, Mom, I'll be over in two minutes, and it's like, hey, Mom, I'll be over, and I'll kill you in two minutes. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, what? And oftentimes, the, the funny thing about autocorrect, the reason that it autocorrects is because you're typing so fast, right? You're typing so fast, you're trying to get something accomplished, you're trying to say a message, and you're typing it so fast that it portrays the wrong message. And oftentimes, it's the same thing with our heart. We're wanting to do the right things, but our sinful nature takes over and it like autocorrects. Like we want to love our wife well, we want to love our husband, we want to serve our kids, we want to do the right thing, and then our sinful nature comes out, and instead of loving and serving, it's just like, blah! Our heart kind of begins to correct itself. And maybe for a time or for a few minutes, we, like, we allow ourselves to operate in the flesh. And here's the thing, we've talked about this before, but there's this fancy theological word called sanctification. And this is all it means, is that for the rest of your life, that Jesus is going to make you more like himself. And so in order to do that, he's going to graciously walk you along every single day, pointing out little things in your life for you to become more and more like Jesus. Now... A lot of times when most of us get saved or if we've been serving Jesus for a long time and we see issues in our life that aren't changing, we want to speed up the process. We want to hurry up. Like We live in a culture that we don't like to wait around for anything. If you wait at McDonald's for 30 seconds for your fries, you're getting mad, right? Like, where are my fries? I've been waiting for like 20 seconds. We want to speed up the process. And here's the thing. Sanctification is a slow process. You can't speed it up. And the moment that you try to speed it up, the moment that you try to bypass what God's doing in your life, your heart kind of autocorrects and you spew out things that you don't want to do. So here's what we've got to learn to do in the Christian life. We've got to learn to take it slow and go, okay, God, what are you doing in me right now? And really try to figure out, like, hey, maybe you're in a situation right now that's difficult and hard. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why? Like, why is it that I keep going back to this? Why is it that I keep staying depressed? Or why is it that I keep going back to this uh, relationship? Why is it? Have you ever stopped to try to figure out the root issue? Have you ever allowed God to begin to pick on your heart and begin to allow sanctification, that process, to start? Or are you just trying to speed things up and going, all right, God, come on, I'm here, let's go. Fix my marriage, fix my kids, fix my job, hurry up. It's a slow process. And let me tell you something. If God dropped it all on you at one time, you couldn't handle it. You just couldn't handle it. And so day by day, he walks us through particular things. The truth is, it's frustrating when you want to please God and your heart leads you somewhere else. Right? 
it, it, it's frustrating when you want to serve God, when you want to do the right thing, but you still have this pull because maybe you have this past that keeps pulling you and reminding you of what you once used to be. And listen, for many of us, many of us, maybe we've been saved for 30, 40, 20, 15 years. And there's still issues of the past that affect us. And like want to pull us back to where we once were. So here's the question. Is there hope for us when our heart seems to autocorrect? Is there hope for us when there's this divided man and all of us, there's this sinful nature? Is there hope? This is what Paul continues to say, Romans 7, 18 through 20. He says this, I know that nothing good lives in me. So let that soak in for a moment. What he's saying is outside of Christ, there's nothing good in my heart. There's absolutely nothing good in my heart. He says, I know, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. And get this, it is sin living in me that does it. It is sin living in me that does it. Listen, there is no answer within yourself. The only answer is in Jesus. And listen, the only hope that we have is found in Jesus. Many of us are working so hard to try to fight off the symptoms of sin, and this is where we get it all wrong. Okay, so how many of you guys have ever been to the doctor for maybe you thought you had something wrong with you? Okay, maybe you've been to the doctor. Now, let's just say, let, let's hypothetically here, okay, um, all of you know what my dad's gone through, been battling with cancer for about almost five years now. Um, let's just say he walks into the doctor one day and he says, hey, listen, I've got some stuff going on in my stomach. It just doesn't really feel good. And instead of the doctor trying to really figure out what's going on, he just treats the symptom. He's like, all right, here's some medicine. Take this. This will help your stomach feel better. So he takes the medicine. He goes back home and his stomach starts feeling better. And then a week later, he starts feeling the same thing over and over. No, see, a good doctor is going to do what? He's not just going to treat the symptoms. He's not just going to give you medicine for the headache or the stomach ache. He's just going to try to figure out what's really going on. So if he has cancer, the doctor's going to try to treat the disease. Well, here's what happens to many Christians, and this is where we get tangled up, and this is why we keep going back to the same thing over and over and over, is we try to treat the symptom rather than the disease. Because what Paul is saying, the disease is sin. The things that I keep leading back to is sin. That's what I need to fight is sin. So I'm going to say something that might sound a little off to you, but I promise you, if you put this into practice, it'll change your life. Like, so if you struggle with lust, stop trying to fight lust. Like, if you, if you struggle with pride, stop trying to fight pride. Fight sin. Fight the disease, which is the sinful nature in all of us. So listen, the more and more that you pursue Jesus and the more and more that you go, Jesus, here's my heart. Here's what's really in me. Here's what goes on. Here's my thoughts. Here's what's really in the depths of my heart. And you begin to surrender that to him and you focus on the bigger picture. All those little symptomatic things begin to fall in place. And Jesus begins to work those things out. See, some of us, are we, we believe so much that if we can just fight, man, if I can just get rid of pride, then I'll be good. If I can just get rid of lust, then I'll be good. If I can just get rid of whatever it is that you're dealing with, we, we falsely believe that we can just 
fix this one symptom about ourselves, then we'll be good. And, and the truth is, all of us have got to fight the disease. Because let's say you overcome pride. Let's say you overcome anger. Well, the disease is still there. Sin is still there. And you'll never be able to escape it until you die, right? Because it's always going to be around us. There's always going to be pulls and temptations that are trying to distract us and take our focus off of what really matters. So the question still remains, how do I kill sin when my heart keeps misfiring? How do I kill sin when what I am tempted with sometimes I give into the only possible way to kill sin, the only possible way is to drag sin into the light, embarrass it, and expose it. It is the only possible way. It's why I asked you the question in the very beginning. How many of you have ever tried to heal the deep, insecure wounds on your heart, in your heart on your own? Because the, the, the answer is you can't. Like the only way to defeat sin is by dragging it into the light, exposing it for what it really is, and say, this is what I'm dealing with. And this is really embarrassing. It's getting with another man, another woman, another person that loves Jesus and going, hey, here's, here's the issue. Here's what's going on in my marriage. Here's what's going on in our home. Here's what's going on in the depths of my heart. It's exposing it. It's dragging it into the light. You cannot defeat what you're not willing to expose. Your secret sin will continue to just wreak havoc on you. Like, the more and more that you hide it, the more and more power that you give it. So the truth is, if here's this, there's a lot of men and women that are in this church that are more than glad to help you walk through some particular things. But the truth is, nobody can help you if nobody knows what you're dealing with. So let's continue to read Romans 7, 21-25. This is Paul again. He says, I have discovered this principle of life. That when I do, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at, that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Or some translations <laughs> say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And I love this part. He goes, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I want to please God with all my heart, but there are times when my heart just seems to misfire, and I don't understand it. And our heart misfires because of indwelling sin. Meaning this, that there is, there is temptation and there is sin all around us. I mean, you can't flip on a TV, you can't drive down a road without seeing an advertisement, without being injected with something. And it's all the more reason we need a Savior. It's all the more reason that we must drag our sin out to the light and expose it and embarrass it for what it really is. Because here's the truth. There's a lot of well-intentioned people in here. There's, there's a lot of people that say, man, I want to do what is right. The question is, are you? Like, I want, to, I want to serve God with all my heart. I want to give him everything. Then can we do 
what is the most hardest thing for most Christians to do is to simply expose our heart for what it really is. I've said this before. Um, every Tuesday of the week, every Tuesday morning, all of our pastors from all of our churches get together and we sit down and there is no agenda other than going, hey, here's what's going on in the depths of my heart. Here's what I'm struggling with this week. Here's what's going on with me. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's going on in my marriage. And I promise you, for me as a pastor, and simply not even as a pastor, as a Christian, that is the most important thing that happens all week. You know why? Because I have an opportunity to come in and go, man, here's what, if I don't confess it now, here's what's going to grip me. And here's what's going to cause me to stumble and fall into temptation. Here's what you've got to get in your head. Just because you're struggling with temptation does not mean you're sinning. Just because you're fighting a battle and just like, man, I'm pulled to this, but I'm not giving in. See, that's what's happening with Paul. He's going, God, I want to do what is right, but there's this strong urge and there's this strong pull to do what is wrong. Like, just to, just, just to downshift a little bit. Just to like, man, can I just relax? Do I have to fight today? Do, do I have to control my mouth? Do I have to control my anger? I just want to let it loose. Do I have to guard my thoughts? Just, I just kind of want to downshift. I just want to relax today. This is what Paul's fighting. truth is, there's going to be misfires in our heart. There's going to be times when maybe you do give in to the temptation, but the truth is they shouldn't be something that is happening all the time. See, we, we have this saying here, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to, to stay not okay. It's not okay to just stay there. It's okay to struggle and to, to deal with something and to wrestle with something and to just go, God, I'm fighting this. But it's not okay to stay in that position. Like There's got to come a point in all of us where we've got to go, okay, I've got to get real with the depths of my heart. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some things I'm just simply not comfortable with doing. But, but listen, this is all you've got. <laughs> this is all you have. Your relationship with Jesus is the only thing on earth that matters. Like, if you want to feel that joy and that peace, listen, it's not found in anything the world is offering. If you want to get to a place where you say, man, yes, I struggle with some things and I deal with some things, but my relationship with Jesus, honestly, I find joy and I find peace in it. And you've got to get to that place just like how our pastors every Tuesday morning, we have that time where we just expose our hearts. Listen, it's one of the greatest times for us, and it's really hard. Especially when you get in a, a room full of men, right? Because men have this innate pride in all of them that just kind of wants to eventually just be like, oh, dude, I'm good. I'm good. Like, man, you might be struggling in your marriage, but mine's awesome. And the truth is, it's probably not. Your wife is looking up on the internet how to kill you and get away with it. <laughs> like, it's not. So, so listen, for me, in this, this scripture brings so much peace to my soul to know that, oh my gosh, Paul's human. Like, his humanity actually comes out. and happens a few other times in scriptures, but primarily in chapter 7. Like, oh... There's not this perfection about him. 
But you know the reason that he's so grappled with this? The reason, and I read tons of stuff on this chapter. The reason many theologians believe that Paul is so grappled in verse 7, the reason that he writes, like, man, I, I'm, I'm doing what I don't want to do, is because he, he sees sin as such a dangerous attack to his relationship and his intimacy with Jesus. And he takes it as a big deal. And the reason that some of us are constantly falling into sin over and over and over and we're on this cycle is because we don't take our sin as a big deal. Oh, it's just a little thing. I don't need to confess that. I don't need to expose that. I don't need to drag that out in the light. But what happens? Those little things begin to choke you and entangle you. Right? So let's read some good news. Romans 8, 1 through 2. So... This is Paul. He says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So here's the truth. The mark of a Christian is not perfection. But the fight of faith knowing that God justifies the ungodly. Listen, the mark of a Christian is you simply just going, God, I'm entering into this war. I'm getting in battle, and I'm going to fight. And yeah, there might be some times when I stumble, and there might be some times that I fall, but you know what? I'm going to do whatever is necessary to continually expose the depths of my heart. Listen, the moment that you give up, the moment that you stop fighting is the moment you lose, because you're no match for sin. You're no match. So here's what I don't want you to get, what Paul's saying in Romans 7. Hey, listen, God, he's saying all these, I can be okay with my sin. Like, I can just settle, I can be fine. No, that's not what he's saying. Yet again, bringing you back, Paul is so distraught by his sin, it's the reason he writes Romans 7. He's just going, God, why am I doing this? Like, get this away from me. Help me. Like, that is what our sin should do to us. Our sin should get us to a place where we go, oh my God, I want to fight. I want to get this away. Get this out of my heart. See, if you feel discontent with your sinful patterns, this is a good thing. It means that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and there's conviction. <coughs> I mean, if you don't feel anything and you just become comfortable with your sin and your life and just you become numb... Then you need to start asking yourself the question, do I really know Jesus like I claim to? Let's keep reading. Romans 8, 5 uh, through 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So if you don't know Christ, your innate desire is to what? Do sinful things. There are no temptations to you. You just give in to everything, right? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Let's pause there. Uh, Pastor Josh and I had a conversation uh, probably about a few years ago, and we were going, we we're really grappling, like, how do we know we're really saved? And, like, I knew I was saved, but we we're like, how do we answer that question? And, and this is how you know. If your sin bothers you, and you feel so distraught when you sin that you have to go to God, you're like, God, please help me. You're saved. You know why? Because lost people, they don't do that. Lost people just sin, they don't feel any remorse, they don't feel shame, they don't feel guilt, they just go and they do it. If there is conviction, it is pure evidence that the Holy Spirit is residing in you. So, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. 
But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Can never please God. Listen, for those of you that are lost, maybe you come, came in here for the first time, you simply don't know Jesus. The reason you live a lifestyle of just perpetual guilt and shame is because you simply don't know Jesus. And so this morning, this is an opportunity for you to know Jesus. Knowing that, like Romans 8, 1 says, that when you do know him, guess what? There, now there's no more condemnation. That guilt, that shame you can feel, that can be pushed away. See, that, that, that guilt and that shame that you feel right now, if you don't know Jesus, that's all you have. Like, that never goes away until you submit and surrender your life to Jesus. That emptiness, that, that void, that, that, that longing that you're trying to satisfy, that never goes away until you genuinely surrender and submit your life to Jesus. Um, one of the things that's really good for my soul um, and I've shared this before, I'm probably, I am a creative nerd at heart, okay? Like, I'm, I'm a guy who likes coffee, I like to read, I like, like, I genuinely enjoy books, and I know most people, they don't like them, that you read only if you have to. Um, but another thing that I really enjoy is music, and uh, I'm very, you can ask my wife this, I'm very critical of music, like, especially words, like, I love lyrics, um, a good lyrics, I mean, it just seals the deal for me. And one of the things that just drives me nuts about songs today is you can write about anything. It's just the dumbest lyrics in the world. And if you go and read it, it's got a cool beat, but the lyrics are so stupid, it just aggravates me. And so um, there's a song that I've been listening to, and it's called um, The Nearness of You, and it's by this band called Loud Heart. And uh, I want to read it to you, and then I want to talk about it, because I think for some of us it'll help. If maybe you find yourself in a place where your heart is misfiring, or you find yourself in a place being drawn towards temptation, here's a great solution. It says this. It says, surely you are good, but my heart ran away. Like there's just times like we know God's goodness is there, but sometimes our heart just runs to selfish desires. It says, surely you are good, but I was swept away. And then what I love about it, it says, but you brought me back to this place. You gave me water, you gave me drink. That line is always just something that, man, it cuts me deep because of this. There are times that you run. There are times that you want to do your own thing. There are times that you fall into temptation. And this is what our Father does. He says, listen, I'm bringing you back, and I'm going to give you water, and I'm going to give you drink, and I'm not going to condemn you according to Romans 8.1. Like, he brings us back lovingly. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail. And then he says, whom have I but you? You have been my strength, my refuge. And then I love this line. The nearness of you is my only good. The nearness of you is my only good. Listen, all of us are sinful by nature. All of us. Like you can't escape it. And then you surrender and you submit your life to Jesus and you take on a new nature. But listen, there's always going to be indwelling sin. There's always going to be temptations. There's always going to be things that pull you. And the only good that you have, the only chance that you have, is drawing near to Jesus at any cost necessary. So drawing near to Jesus, what does that look like? Well, it could look like a bunch of different things. 
I think first it starts out with you simply exposing and dragging your sin into the light. That's what it starts out with first. Like some of us ask the question of like, God, why, why am I not changing? What's going on? Well, many of us haven't done the last thing that God asked us to do. <laughs> so he's still waiting on us to expose or drag that thing into the light. The nearness to Christ is our only good. This is what I love about the gospel. The message of the gospel is a fresh start. The message of the gospel is a fresh start. Or should I say starts, plural. The message, the message of the gospel is a fresh starts. Like, because you're going to blow it, and God gives you another chance. And you're going to blow it, and God gives you another chance. You're going to blow it, and God, you get where I'm going? It's going to happen over and over no matter how many times we stumble, no matter how many times we make this selfish choice, God's grace gives us a fresh start. He, his mercies really are new every single morning. We serve a God of forgiveness, we serve a God of patience, and we serve a God of grace. And the thing that I love about Jesus is our, our Lord stoops down again and again, not because we're deserving, but because he is loving. Listen. There's going to be times in your walk with Jesus, okay? And I'm talking to the saved Christian that's been saved for 15 years, 30 years. There's going to be times in your walk with Jesus when your heart is just going to fail you. And my prayer for this church would be this. That we wouldn't walk in here on a Sunday morning with our pasty, good-looking smiles and our tucked-in shirts and our put-together, well-done families and act like everything is okay. Because listen, that is exhausting. And it gets you nowhere. There is no freedom in pretending. So, so listen, church, if you want freedom in your life, if you want to break free of that addiction, if you want your heart to can stop misfiring... Just make a declaration to say, God, I'm going to be real with you at whatever cost necessary. Like, the question is, what are you willing to do to follow Christ? The only reason some of us hide and the only reason some of us pretend and the only reason some of us stay in perpetual sin is because it means that we've got to give up something. It means we've got to give up a relationship. It means we've got to give up certain things that we hold dear. But listen, the cost of following Jesus many times is difficult. And it's a fight. And it's a war. And it's a race that we continually run. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. The thing that I see all across America that just, like I said, bothers me is you have church members that do this so well. Christians are the best at pretending. You know, because there is this thing that when we get saved, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, especially if you've been saved for a really long time, there is this innate thing inside of us that says, I can't show anybody I'm weak. Because if I do, then I let them down. Or if I do, then people will think that my relationship with God is not what I portray it to be. See, the truth is that in your greatest weakness is when God is able to strengthen you. 
It's when God sends you the people that come along your way and say, listen, I know you're struggling. I know you're hurting. I know things are messed up. What can I do? Sometimes it's simply just prayer. Sometimes it's simply just you being open. So I don't know where you are today or what you've done. But I know this is for sure. Whether you've been serving Jesus for a long time or you don't know Jesus at all, there's a fresh start for you. Now, there's an, imminent, there's an enemy that would have you believe that you're stuck and there's no hope for change in your life. Like, life can feel like that sometimes, right? Like, my God, is there any hope for what I'm dealing with? Like, am I ever going to get out of this? Listen, Jesus spilled his blood for whatever kind of sin you're stuck in. God sent his one and only son so that you could be justified, so that you could be adopted, so that you could become a part of the family. Listen, see, some, some of you in here, and this, I'm primarily, like, if, if, if you're new here, you can listen, but maybe you could tune me out at the same time. Listen, I'm talking to people that have been saved for a long time because we're the ones that struggle with this the most. Because we falsely believe that we've got it all taken, we've, we've, we've got it all together. We've got it, we're good. And that is the most dangerous spot that you could be in. It's the most dangerous spot that you could be in. Because listen, Matthew says what? Like many will say to me on that day, wait, wait, hold on, God, didn't we do these things for you? Didn't we see miraculous signs happen? Didn't we give our lives to you? Jesus says, yeah, you did, but you really didn't know me. You really weren't open and real with what was going on in the depths of your soul. Here's what I love about Jesus. He will come to you a second time, a third time, a fourth time, and however long it takes. However long it takes. Jesus is patient. He's really patient. He's so patient that he even let a man die and raised him back from the dead as people mourned. They came to him and they said, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. And I've always imagined it. I've always kind of thought it was funny. Just like, hey, hold on. Let me just finish this sandwich. I'll be there in a few days. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Like, people are mourning. They're crying. Why would you let this man die? And he arrives a few days later. He says, he's only sleeping. He's just sleeping. Lazarus, come forth. Listen. No matter your past, no matter your history, wherever you're at, no matter what kind of marriage you find yourself in, or kids you're dealing with, or past hurts, or struggles, or temptations, God continually stoops down and says, let's start over. Let's start over. So I close with this. Acknowledge your sin. Drag it into the light. Submit your life to a loving Savior. A loving, gracious Father. No matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus, if you've been serving Him for a long time and you do not know Him this morning, there is a fresh start for each and every one of us. And there's going to be times in your life when your heart just simply misfires. And maybe you give in to that temptation. 
But in that moment, that's when you make that decision to say, Jesus, at whatever cost necessary, I'm going to fight. So when you give into it, what do you do? You make it a habit. I'm going to drag it into the light. I did this, but I'm going to expose it. That's the mark of a true Christian, is true, genuine repentance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray for each and every one of us, God. God, maybe we're struggling with temptation. God, maybe we're struggling with being pulled towards the same thing over and over and over, and we don't know what to do. I pray that you would help us drag our past, our sin, even our temptations into the light so that we may know you on a deeper, more intimate